Hi guys, welcome to the 25th episode of the Untitled Gadget podcast and who'd have thought that we'd make it to 25 episodes. Uh I don't think the three of us did. It was no. a bit of a fluke. Uh it was a bit of fun, but here we are and uh, this is interesting and kind of intriguing because this is the first time we've actually got a lot of our listeners on the podcast. There's like 7 8 of them. And no, I mean the listeners are much more, but yeah, we're like seven, eight, all, of, all of our listeners. <laughs> we, we only have what, seven, seven guys listen to this podcast. <laughs> no, so we've got like seven folks who joined us for the episode, uh, which is fun, and it's also a little unnerving because we haven't done anything like this before. Uh, but we're going to try and stick to the standard uh, <clears throat> way of doing things. Um, so yeah, as as our standard way of going thing goes. Uh, Akshay and Harish, how was your week this way, this far? Yeah, it's been good. I got to bitch about oxygen OS a whole lot, so yeah, that was a lot of fun. I really we'll talk a lot about it well, <laughs> in the coming minutes, but yeah, that whole Android eleven beta with the new interface just messed me up. And then I also played a decent amount of Assassin's Creed Origins again because well, Halo is coming, and I was like, okay. Let me get back into the whole RPG system that they've got going on and play Origins Odyssey game by the time Valhalla comes along. Fair mm. enough. Akshay, what about you? Uh, I reviewed <coughs> the ROG phone three this week and then uh, busy with all that, you know, all the news stories that have been happening. And uh, I've started playing Octopath Traveler on the Nintendo Switch. Loving that game. Uh, I think I'm gonna delete my PC version of the game because it's just so much fun on the Nintendo Switch. And then I think uh, I've I think I I think I can say this now. I've been downloading Microsoft Flight Simulator, and the fucker has still not ended up downloading. It's still downloading. It's been two days, and their servers are so shit that I haven't been able to start playing that game. Isn't it like hundred twenty-five GB? It's at one hundred fifty between one hundred fifty two hundred GB. I don't know, man. I mean, it shows that I have to download ninety more GB, and it goes <laughs> at a very very slow pace. Very yeah, very right. slow pace. You know, I, you're gonna run out of your FUP, right? I am bad. <sighs> Streaming yeah, those petabytes of data. Yeah, probably. I mean, I have started. I haven't started playing the game. Yeah, I mean, I'm, when I play the game, it's just for review. I will run out of data, but fuck it. At least let me download the files. Yeah, <sighs> I mean, if I wasn't editing the podcast today, I'd be over playing the game with you. Yeah. When is it releasing? Eighteenth of August. So Wait, I have to play the whole that. Yeah. Sure. But but it's a bit of day. bullshit though. Like I mean. Come on, it's a flight simulator. Why would you lock off all the premium airports, like half the premium airports? That's just a little stupid. I feel. Why? I don't. I don't know, man. I mean, I haven't even started playing the game. At least let me fly a goddamn plane. We'll figure out the airports later. But let me first yeah. start with the game. <laughs> and, and they don't have T three airport, do they? No. Not so in the handcrafted airports. No, uh, I don't think they have permission for that. I mean, yeah. Okay, that's a little stupid. Uh, yeah, for me this week has just again once again all been all about work. Uh, I did take out like ten minutes to play the Tourist on the Switch, which is mm-hmm. such a pretty game. You need yeah. to check that out, actually. Uh, I will. I think that's possibly the prettiest looking game on the Switch. It scales beautifully to the TV as well, so that's awesome. really nice. Uh, what else? Nothing else really. I don't think I actually did. I finally got my new watch thanks to Harish. Thanks, man. Yeah, uh, 
Yeah, yeah and that. uh, that's about it. So, well, that's our introduction for the week. Uh, let's get started. Um, use of the week. What was the big stuff? There was Android. Uh, there was the Android 11 beta on Oxygen OS, which Harish has some thoughts on. So do I, to be honest. Uh, I'm a little mixed about it. Um, I think it's pretty, but also it's unnecessary. There's just like way too much wasted space, too much white space on it. Uh, and nobody was asking for this. That's my biggest concern and gripe with it. Like Oxygen OS is not exactly st- stock Android at all, unlike popular opinion. But at least the look and feel of it had a lot going for it. Uh, but they've completely fucked that up. And uh, there is a lot of negative feedback as well. Harish, your thoughts on it? Yeah, it wasn't stark in the sense that it was slightly different to what Google offers on the Pixels and Android One devices. But then what drove users to the platform was the fact that it was very clean. It was clean, it was optimized. There was no clutter as such. Um, none of that excess polish, if polish is the word to use that, that you're finding all these other Chinese ROMs and what Samsung does with One UI. So I think that was the main factor in a lot of users thinking of Oxygen OS as like the best skin on Android. I always said for the last three years that it was because of the fact that it was just uncluttered. Sure, mm-hmm. it may not be stock Android in the purest sense, but yeah, it had that clean ethos. And now I don't know what the goal was with the redesign because I was asking them all week to give me like a background, uh, give me like some kind of background information on why this change was motivated because if there was one area they did not need to change with Oxygen OS, mm-hmm. it was the design. They could have put these resources to work, maybe fixing the camera or just fine-tuning the launch day experience. Because with every phone, we see that out of the box, there are a lot of bugs. So they could have done a lot with the resources that they have, but instead they chose to put it towards something that really did not need any tweaking. Um, But I think the way they're doing software right now is similar to what they've been doing with hardware over the last two years. So if you look at OnePlus, they've been emulating Samsung across the board. Uh, Their strategy has firmly shifted to flagships and their marketing efforts have been focused on the US market now because they've done everything they can with India. They're the number one premium player and they know that they're going to sell like a gazillion units of the not here. That's a given. So where do they go from here? They want to break it to that US market. That's what we've been saying with the carrier deals. They now sell on Verizon and T-Mobile. That's a big deal for them. They're selling on Amazon.com in the US as well. So they want to target those users and what do you users in the US think when they think of Android? Samsung. Samsung. Yeah, that's the only thing they think. But you yeah. know what? I I, I, I completely agree with the, what Harish said. And the OnePlus folks reached out to me and they're like, oh, what do you think about Oxygen OS 11? I was like, it's utter shit. I mean, this is not OnePlus. For me, This, I mean, I love Oxygen OS the way it is right now. And the fact that they have just gone far, far ahead with what they were, you know, you just just uh, just before this announcement i didn't really agree with the design changes i like the f- the way oxygen os is it's the only skin that i actually prefer using out of everything that's out there uh, even though there have been improvements uh, across the board for every company but oxygen os has always been my favorite skin 
and uh, when I told them that listen but you're trying to emulate Samsung though it, it doesn't really help you guys in any way because uh, you're you're alienating your diehard fans and you're also not really going to make any mo- big difference uh, with the new design change it doesn't really uh, speak OnePlus to me it doesn't look like OnePlus to me it's not it's very very different from the OnePlus I know and that's yeah. what I told them yeah and here's the thing like I mean I once again like I do agree with you Harish and like that makes sense as well They this that is the next big market for them to break into uh, but their approach so far has been relatively lackluster and uh, I mean all said and done the the concerns and issues around breaking into the American market have very little to do with Oxygen OS yeah. uh, on one hand sure they could be going for familiarity but uh, I mean, there's two arguments to be made. Uh, Oxygen OS on its own was clean enough and uh, user-friendly enough that they didn't necessarily need to. And on the other hand, I mean, this is coming at the cost of alienating the, the rest of the world. Now, I think the the point to be made here is that, like, does OnePlus think that it's got enough traction that the mainstream audience which doesn't necessarily care, is big enough that they can afford to let go of the enthusiasts, the people who actually, uh, you know, championed the phone and have been uh, pushing the cause of OnePlus. Uh, but here's the thing, right? Um, they may not, OxygenOS may not be the differentiator right now, but they're paving the way for mainstream availability in the US. This is still step one for them, right? So say a lot of sales in the US just are down to the carriers. People just walk into retail stores, look at the phones Mm -hmm. and then buy them. So I think this is just them laying the groundwork for that eventuality where they will be on an equal footing. Obviously not with Samsung, but like some of the smaller players, say LG and some of the other Android brands that you'll find in carrier stores in the US. So I think that is their eventual goal. And... I, I, I that's the only reason why I, I feel that they're emulating Samsung here because otherwise if they came up with like an entirely different design that was original I would have been willing to at least try it out and say okay there's some cohesive strategy here mm-hmm. sure they're trying something different I'll take a look but that's not the case here they blatantly just copied whatever Samsung is offering and they're like oh yeah this is a new direction that makes no sense Here's yeah. what I don't understand. Why, like, in my opinion, and I'm pretty sure everyone on this call or whoever has experienced both One UI and Oxygen OS would agree that Oxygen OS has always been the far superior Android skin. Here's what I don't understand. Why did OnePlus try to emulate a skin that is inferior to their own offering and then implement that for the future force? I don't understand it. They were already ahead in the game, at least in my eyes. Samsung does some cool things as well, but... Yeah, there are some some issues with One UI as well, and you know, visually, it's not as appealing. This is what no, I but, don't understand. But that's the thing, actually. Like, uh, it's it's one. I mean, One UI is familiar to a lot of users, so it helps transition them onto OnePlus. Um, but in one and, country, and, though, not in, like the most of the users are yeah, in and, India, right? And if, true, and if I mean, I wouldn't say that like the US, the Indian audience is generally more tech savvy, but yeah, maybe it is to a certain degree. Uh, but beyond that. Um, I mean, there are things about uh, the beta that I like. I like that new font. It's very minimalistic. Uh, it's just that they've copied the worst parts of One UI. That huge amount of white space everywhere. It's just yeah. wasted space on such a huge screen. Uh, I mean, if you've seen... Uh, uh, do you have it running on your phone? You must have seen the settings menu or even the yep. gallery app. Like when you open it, 
like half the screen is completely empty that's that's bad design that's not even like doing a bad copy of one ui that's just bad design overall yeah that's so what it looks like that's exactly. the thing right they like say it. this is designed for one handed use and all and then i'm like why not offer a one handed mode on the damn phone then they don't have which, that which they wish they stopped uh, wish they refused to do uh, in yeah. the community forums that like hey it's not necessary like completely necessary so, yeah so it's this back and forth and uh, regarding the earlier point that you made about them alienating the rest of the world um i see that largely being the case now anyway sure they i think this is also one of the reasons why they didn't release the nord in the us because i think carriers there wanted something in the 600 to 700 price point so they didn't want these guys to undercut every other 5g phone they have with the nord coming in at like 400 450 right mm. now so i think that's also one of the reasons behind that phone not launching there and also look the us market is driven entirely by carriers and they have a lot of say in what gets released and what doesn't but at the same time oneplus does not have any market share in the us like india accounts for more than 30% of their global sales and the second biggest market for them is china so i don't see why they're catering so much to the us market when right now they don't have a lot of market share there they're looking for those high profit margins over there i guess yeah i mean it'll still it'll still take a few years for that to occur but yeah i don't get it i don't get this point where they just fuck over every other user outside of the us just to target that i imagine but then again their strategy never made sense yep yeah okay well i think that's that covers pretty much what we know about uh, oneplus's strat- strategy uh with the android 11 <laughs> sorry still early in the morning uh, actually one thing i'd like to add right because you we were talking about the skin not being so clean um i had beta 1 and beta 2 running on one of the phones and then i installed beta 3 on the 8 pro mm-hmm. versus beta 2 it doesn't feel as optimized so the same thing on beta 2 with the yep. clean oxygen os feels mm-hmm. that much smoother than beta 3 with the whole new redesign Oh, this thing is buggy as fuck, man. Like switching yeah. on the camera takes forever, or just keeps dropping out. This it's not ready for public consumption yet. Which is uh, really weird because beta two was much more stable. Yeah, they really yeah. need to uh, divert their attention to the camera app and other <laughs> things that OnePlus has been screwing up for years, but they refuse to do that. And yeah, just send all of these developers to the camera team. That's that's the team that actually needs some help. Yeah, whoever yeah, thought so this was the untitled. Uh, OnePlus podcast will now know that uh, we have our gripes with OnePlus as well. <laughs> yeah. So they will start talking a lot about the design over the coming weeks, obviously, because mm-hmm. well, yeah, they like teasing all the details, right? Yeah. Expect yeah. a forum post soon with a lot of information uh, explaining yeah. this. Cool. So that covers OnePlus. Uh, what else do we have for the week? We have the Fortnite scandal. I mean, more like people trying to bully each other. I'm checking out. Thanks, bye. Nice yeah. to see you. <laughs> Come on, you you probably got thoughts on Apple. Yeah, I do. Yeah. And Google, for that matter. And yeah. Google. It's a little weird that Google's kind of fucked them off, <laughs> like because uh, I mean they've they do allow other app stores, sort of. And they do allow other yeah you can side billing the systems app, which is which yeah is you can still side load the app though what was intriguing was that Google kind of bullied OnePlus into getting rid of the Fortnite launcher 
Yeah. Yeah. It uh, wasn't a Fortnite launcher. I don't know what the fuck they were saying. It was just reinstalling yeah. an app. Yeah, know. yeah. I mean, I'm just going by the nomenclature that everybody's using for that. That's dumb. Fine, whatever. They're just yeah. They even tried, I think, rolling it out in one of the public beta builds, but it never made it to the stable release because obvious reasons. They got blocked. Um, it's interesting that Google did not have an issue with them pre-installing the app in India, but mm-hmm. it did with every other market. I'm like, what the fuck is going on there? because fortnite is the highest earning game out there and not necessarily those sale numbers come from india but other regions like the us and europe people spend a lot of money on fortnite right and that's money to be made on every transaction and apple and google both are of course frowning on epic for bypassing their payment uh, systems and you know implementing their own and of course they're going to get pissed off and going to kick off uh, fortnite and uh, Uh, on uh, play store and app store and i guess i mean it, it is a way to see that i mean apple has had a horrible two weeks with the gaming uh, community first not allowing x cloud and now this but then again uh, i feel that uh, epic is no small company fighting for the greater good either i mean they're a billion dollar company who has been who have uh, done some horrible practices in the past especially in the pc gaming uh, dude community. this whole outcry is fucking bullshit okay first of all the timing is basically like time oh, it it's was just time. time to perfection right this is coming yeah. two weeks after both the of these expert. plans were hauled to the mm-hmm. antitrust committee so yeah. they timed the they got this Perfectly. whole outcry time just right and the second thing is they're saying oh yeah these stores take a 30% cut so by just paying directly with us We'll give you a twenty percent discount. Guess what? The other ten percent is going to Epic, and they're making yeah. just that one dollar extra. So say you're buying ten dollars worth of V bucks in Fortnite. Earlier they used to get seven dollars. Now they're getting eight dollars, and Fortnite makes like one point five billion dollars a year. So that's what. Yeah, that's one fifty million extra for them. So yeah. this works out really well for Epic. I mean, Tim Sweeney. Tim Sweeney is a smart, smart guy. Let's not let's not yeah. forget that. Like But they, see, here's the deal. Like, I mean, it's the way that I look at it. It's not just about Epic. Uh, there needs to be some sort of tiered um, revenue shares for game developers as well. Clearly, Apple is not averse to the idea. They've done that with Amazon, yeah. um, and there is precedent for it that you know, after a certain amount of scale, you reduce the cut. Uh, end of the day, thirty percent of a revenue share is a huge amount. Uh, you know, so I think. how they're approaching it is probably not the best way you can't really bully a company and that's sort of reflecting in the conflicted um, sentiment as well where people are like hey you're playing in their world garden so you got to play by their rules which yeah. is true but also the rules need can't be stuck to what was 10 years ago uh, the rules need to adapt to modern realities where smartphone gaming is way bigger than it ever was uh, more and more people heck like we've got people on the on the chat today who are using the iPad Pro as their stand as their main computer so you know that's that yeah. is the modern reality and a 30% cut at that point is well it's just a bit too big um and some a game like Fortnite doesn't necessarily need uh Apple's promotion anymore they've re- reached a certain scale where uh, they should be treated the same as say somebody like an Amazon which gets which gets to enjoy like a 15% revenue share 
but uh, then so, this isn't just the app stores right steam also takes a similar 30% cut so i i was about to say that so steam ps playstation switch all of them do take a cut as well but they also help out in marketing they have exclusive consoles fortnite branded consoles which uh, um, nintendo keeps promoting fortnite on the e store and same with xbox so they have marketing partnerships that benefit both of them apple does none of that they don't even uh, recommend the game on their app store it's so so haphazard so i think uh, with consoles it's a very different deal because they have um, they have mutually benefiting deals with each other especially sure, because that, the game is free yeah but that doesn't change the fact that that 30% is the same across the board so <clears throat> epic trying to selectively point out apple and google and say oh look this is onerous and this is not a sustainable way of doing business it's just absolute bullshit for fortnite yes but for a game like stardew valley i would suggest uh, a single developer that's 30% is a lot of money right no and i agree that 30% <coughs> needs to come down absolutely but i'm saying it's not just yeah. apple and google that's basically yeah. stuffing the industry but what, what i was trying to say was that these companies playstation nintendo steam not steam uh, fortnite is on epic forget forget pc for fortnite they actively promote games be it call of duty be it whatever they do pay back these developers with exclusive deals or console branding or licensing deals they do benefit the developers in some way of course 30% is still high for that those platforms but that's where most of the gamers are and they can recover that money on the but app store anyway, you're, you're competing not... with a lot of games no i get that but i didn't see a stardew valley edition of the ps4 so stardew valley is just as fucked on playstation as it was on android so Well, but Those PlayStation so promotes it a lot. Like promotes the them Play on the PlayStation Store. That's what I'm saying. On the PlayStation okay. Store, on their social channels, on the PlayStation blog. Plus, like they've yeah. been pushing the the game everywhere, and that's the thing. Like there is a certain marketing element to it. It is mm-hmm. still high, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, should high. there be a better revenue share? Absolutely. But at least from the console side of things, it still sort of justifies itself to a certain degree. Not entirely, but to a certain degree. uh but on the google play store and uh, on the apple app store there is no uh particular promotion apple is not pushing the game anywhere uh and the way that epic is approaching this maybe not the right way but i think it's a good conversation starter because yeah. it's important not just for fortnite it's important for a whole lot of developers and especially the indie developers uh a 30% revenue share I mean, which hyper if technically, I mean, if you assume that it drops down to say fifteen percent after I don't know five million in sales or whatever, <coughs> that leaves them a lot of money to actually work on new DLC yeah. content on new projects. That's a huge amount of money for a single developer or a smaller team. Epic, they not so much. Yeah, they do that with subscriptions now, right? The first year is thirty percent, and then the subsequent year onwards is down to fifteen percent cut. So, yeah, yeah. Well, Yeah, that's that's the broader idea, right? So that's what it needs to come down to across the board. There needs to be standardized rules for these, and don't even get me started on XCloud. Like that's just bullshit. Because that was bullshit, man. Oh, I, I mean, I come on, like yeah, we we can't we can't check like all the content on XCloud, so we're not going to allow it. Like, are you seriously telling me that that Apple is sitting and watching every single movie on Netflix and Amazon Prime yeah. to wet content? Seriously. That's the same question I asked Apple representatives, and they did not have an answer. I was like, "You do realize it's the same concept. You're streaming movies and you're streaming games, but on, more often 
there are a lot of adult themes, violence, etc. on Netflix shows and movies, whereas games are not as bad. Uh, and with games, each individual game is rated by ESRB, Peggy in the UK, and you know all the other uh, uh, standard uh, certifying companies out there that actually give uh, age ratings for these games. So when you and these are funded by the government, so when they are saying it's okay for these many people to play the game above this age, who the hell are you, Apple, to you know try to review that? You're, you, it's not your job. The government is already doing that for you. So that's a very lame excuse. And I know that's not the real reason. It's revenue share, the same thing that's happening with Fortnite. And uh, Apple is, it, with, with the pressure they're facing from the gaming community, they will eventually have to change stuff, especially with Apple Arcade, if they keep on pushing that, keep wanting to push that. Yeah, yeah, I mean, especially in the context of the antitrust hearing, uh, this this uh, this <laughs> really, really comes across as a standout point. And like you said, man, uh, I mean, this Peggy and uh, the other certifying organization, look at Australia, like they didn't even allow what Manhunt to get uh, to get certified in the entire country. So there are regulatory bodies in place to ensure that, you know, there are age restrictions in place. And all the content is clearly defined so that, uh, you know, parents can decide whether their kid gets to play that game or not or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that job is being Steve. done. Exactly. So <laughs> blanket ban on potentially one of the biggest uh, changes to the gaming industry. That's just bullshit. And uh, I, I don't see like the, it can't be anything else other than revenue share because what else does Apple have? Like they have Apple Arcade, and, and which is crap. Uh, yeah, and protecting that as much as they can. <laughs> yeah, Apple Arcade. Like that's that's really not a competitor at all. I yeah. love the service. I love the service. But app, the way, from what I know, Apple is going to get in the console game, especially with Apple TV, the new generation, and push Apple Arcade on that. And this was a great opportunity for having xCloud on Apple TV as well, but they fucked it up, I guess. Uh, they'll, they'll, repay, they'll, they'll repent it, for sure. I mean, what's their alternative? Uh, Nothing. With If they try to do their own version of cloud gaming, gaming on, the, no. on, on Mac is dead. So uh, unless they somehow start doing... Windows emulation and pushing that through cloud gaming. And they I don't will, see they will that. Never do that. Exactly. They will so, never do that. So what could their alternative be? Like that they will get every developer to make TV sized versions of all their I iOS games. And that's not the same so, anyway. So the Apple Arcade games do uh, upscale on Apple TV, like Ocean Horn and everything. So Apple Arcade games run fine, perfectly fine on TV. But yeah, rest of the games I can see being an issue. But then again, man, Apple being one of the most successful companies in the world with the most devices out there in the world, they could have let this go, man. They could have been the bigger person than this. Actually, tell me something. Like Ocean Horn is what, like a second-rate copy of, Breath like of a world, little yes. bit of Breath of the Wild. It is not a tier one game, and that's pretty much their best RPG of sorts that they have. So they have some great, uh, no, they have some great Square Enix games. They have some great, uh, great platform games like Rayman um, and then where Chords Fall. It's a lot of good games on Apple Arcade, but yes, they're not tier one AAA. Yeah, a dude, a dude could run Rayman. Yeah, I mean, it can. I mean, my you have my 3DS, you can, there's Rayman on it, you can play. Exactly, like Rayman's been here for like decades. Like anything can run Rayman. That's not a tier one game. Like, <laughs> is there anything like, like an Octopath Traveler on, on Apple Arcade? So there's Stardew Valley, of course. Uh, Stardew Valley is everywhere. It's on my Vita. 
Yeah. And Octopod Traveler is actually exclusive to PC and Switch right now. So I don't know whether it's going to show up on Apple Arcade. But I, if that time exclusive period gets over, it will definitely show up on uh, Apple Arcade because it's not it's not a you know graphic intensive game in my opinion. A beautiful yeah. game, but but yeah, I mean you could Square Enix works very closely with Apple Arcade. Mm. They do have uh, some some other RPG or JRPG on it, and that also looks great. But I think we see, only said. Apple Arcade like about 3 million times. I think we can yeah. <laughs> mention it about another 8 million times. But yeah, I think it's a great service. It's just that Apple without being a, a studio themselves or publishing their own games, it's not going to sell that. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, I, I, don't, I don't see something like a Final Fantasy 7 coming, remake coming to, to Apple Arcade. Mm, they have the money for it. They can. They want to. It's on Game Pass right now. Fair not enough. the remake. The original Ga- one. Wait, Game Pass, Game Pass. Oh, God. That's a different thing altogether. Okay. Yeah. Enough. Enough Uh, games. I want to talk about Samsung partnering with Microsoft, actually, because that's a brilliant move. Uh, Oh, hey, yeah. I'm writing about that as well. Samsung is being very strategic here because it obviously teams up with Google and is now doing the three years of platform updates, which Mm -hmm. is fantastic. Like, that's going to take the entire Android ecosystem forward because now Samsung is like, Okay, we are offering three years of updates and this will, I think, be the change that will force all these other brands, say all the Chinese brands, to also consider giving three years of platform updates because that has been a long time coming. Um, And then it is teaming up with Microsoft for all the productivity and gaming stuff to areas where Google doesn't really have any say in it. Sure, Stadia is now a thing, but it's not going to be... Available in as many markets as Xbox. Stadia, Stadia is not a thing. No one's no one's using it in the US as well, man. Yeah, so Samsung is playing it on both fronts and it's doing so in such a way that it doesn't piss off Google. And it, well, it only has to gain with whatever it's doing with Microsoft. So yeah, that's a really nice strategy there. Yeah, that's They've the thing. That well. So Samsung's, a, Sam, I mean, this is like pretty much literally the the headline for what I'm writing that Samsung's building a better ecosystem with Microsoft than Google ever did a job of. (laughs) And that's the thing, like the kind of integration that they're putting with, it's basically bridging the biggest mobile operating system with the biggest traditional operating system. I can't believe it. I call it a traditional operating system, but yeah, that's that. Um, And it's, Doing it exactly, I mean, in some ways, even better than how the iPhone and uh, Mac OS work. And it's quite incredible that it had to come down to this. Um, I mean, I've been shitting on Google for the longest time that the Pixel series doesn't integrate with anything. Uh, it's it's all standalone. Their integration with even Chromebooks is minimal at best. A joke. It is a joke. Exactly. Let's not talk about Chromebooks. It's like let's, let's not get into that. Let's not get into that before, uh, before, because we have questions to get to as well. Sure. Otherwise, yeah, this, will, this will become a one-hour podcast for sure. It is something to talk about in the future, though. But yeah, like you yeah. said, this is some incredible stuff. The the your phone app, uh, how they're doing it. You know, the integration between the photo library. You can make your calls, and now, like my favorite bit is the fact that you can pull up apps and pin them to Windows. That's just like yeah. next level stuff. It's technically maybe not so much, but the fact that that's how closely they're working with Microsoft, that's just incredible. Yeah. I like it. And if you want your phone on a non-Galaxy phone, it's linked to Windows. 
Yeah. It is, but or it doesn't do all the same stuff. Around. Oh, that's it, the other way around. It's called linked to Windows on Samsung and it's your phone. Another yeah, part. yeah, yeah. Whatever it's called, your it doesn't phone. really matter. Uh, but that's the thing, right? Like you can't do all of the same stuff with any other phone, yeah. which I'm a little pissed off by because I'm I'm hoping that this is just like a short-term exclusivity. Uh, Microsoft locking out literally every other OEM. I don't know. I don't like the idea unless, of that. Unless, unless Samsung paid for it. Samsung definitely paid for it. That yeah. is going to remain exclusive for a while. I mean, yeah. then again, look, Samsung is like a majority player, right? Mm-hmm. It's still dominating the Android what market share globally. So it's okay. I mean, I would have been pissed if Microsoft went with LG or Xiaomi, or one of these brands, because I'd be like, okay. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. Like, it's it's a big enough deal that on the like, I'm I would consider buying a Samsung phone just for this if yeah. I was using Windows as my primary platform. Uh, which and I'm if not. Samsung got rid of Exynos. And, and if Samsung got rid of Exynos. Yeah. That's, that's more of a bigger deal to me than this implementation. Oh God, the heating issues. Yeah. It heats okay. up so much. We will talk about Exynos next week because... Uh, the embargo is tomorrow. Yeah. Wait, yeah. is it tomorrow? Yeah, it's tomorrow. Wait, no. Oh, sorry, 18th. Sorry. 18th, 18th. Tuesday. Yeah, yeah, Tuesday. So we still got some time for that. Okay, so I think we're like, what, past 30 minutes into the podcast. So we should probably get to some questions now. Yeah. Uh, who wants to go first? Me. Sure Me. I. Yeah, okay, Harish. What's your question? Oh, shit. Now I'm on the spot. Uh, what's the best album you've listened to all week? Oh... <laughs> uh, Hang on, let me get you a name for it. The best album. I've been listening to a little bit of Lantlos, um, but I think I just went back to Catatonia. So I've been listening to The Great Cold Distance from 2006, though their new album City Burials is also quite decent. And um, yeah, I listened to a bit of Ambient Black, America is doing some pretty solid atmospheric black metal now. So there's this album called uh, Album Pass by Meinenwerfer. I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right, which is pretty solid. And What uh, sort of an American band is that? Yeah. And there's another one called uh, Death Gifted a Bouquet by The Great Cold Emptiness. It's not on Spotify, but it's on YouTube Music. So you can check it out there. Two fantastic albums. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Nice. Nice. Not Akshay's style of music though. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I okay. used to listen to a lot, of, a lot of metal back in the day, man. I told you, I think after Saint Anger, I stopped listening to metal. I know. Saint Anger was a pretty bad album though. Exactly. All right. Uh, so Venkat, uh, you got a question for us. Why don't you unmute yourself and uh, go ahead. Yep. Uh, so, what do you think the mid-range smartphones or smartphones by Realme or Xiaomi are going towards? Because uh, we are seeing many launches. Uh, there's a phone uh, mm. almost every week right now. The C11, I believe, was launched three weeks back and now we are having C12 and C15. Also, all the specifications that we are going to have in that phone are itself released by the CEO before even the launch. What do you think we'll be heading towards? 
<laughs> I think he's given us a reason to rant, man. <laughs> See, I don't understand this strategy at all. Uh, it does not benefit anyone. It doesn't benefit the brand because every phone they release, they have to put a lot of money behind marketing and actually making the phone. So it does not make any sense for them to do the strategy. I fully agree with you that they're better off launching like two, three phones a year rather than. 10-12 that they have going on now uh, but I think what they're trying to do is do one differentiating feature with every phone it's a dumb strategy but I think it allows them to have like a laser focus on each individual sub uh, each individual niche actually within that segment so I think that is the strategy right now for Realme and Xiaomi it makes no sense. You're absolutely right. Even for us, uh, it just does not make any sense to cover like yeah, 30 phones. Some of the review units because it's like, fuck it, man. Every week there's a new phone. Yeah. It, it, lose track. It's, it's that, not ideal strategy and it's not sustainable, first of all. So we will see the market consolidating towards a few models. But I think a lot of it is also down to brands figuring out what customers want. So they roll out like 10 products one of that works so then they use that model that works and then iterate again on that to find what works for them so i think that is what is going on right now you can say that there's more choice but not really most of these phones are the same anyway in the long term i i think i've compared it to that uh, to the video game crash from the 80s i tweeted it out that uh, you know companies are just flooding the markets with their own phones and once, uh, they, not every phone will sell out, right? There will be stock left over. And I feel that some, if they oversaturate the market a lot, if, if anyone knows what happened with Atari, they literally had to fill up landfills with their unsold stock. And I, I worry that this may happen with the phones as well. Not right now, maybe, but sometime soon it will happen if they keep going like this. Yeah, I'm sure there's a landfill. Current... Yeah, the landfill, <laughs> the... man. Yeah, with the ET cartridges and whatnot. I think that's the same future I see for phones, uh, especially in budget, mid-budget, mid-segment uh, mid uh, phones, because if yeah. not every one of them is going to sell out, man. No. Yeah, like Karan just said, like you basically just read my mind. Uh, it's like throwing shit at the wall and seeing what sticks. <laughs> uh, that's basically it. Like it makes no sense to make these hyper-focused models uh, because on one on the other hand, it also leaves you know, like everybody's missing out on one feature or the other, which is also not exactly ideal. There is no one perfect cohesive phone uh, out there right now. And then you have like Xiaomi and Poco where they'll reiterate the same model and like it'll be the same price, but one thing will have like faster charging, which again no makes ice. no sense. But then, yeah, I think um, that's basically it. Like they're all trying to see what works and since there's just so much part sharing and the designs are relatively similar enough. Um, yeah, so, you know, keep on trying, see what works. And like Harish said, just keep on iterating based on that. Uh, yeah, but the bigger issue... It's not exactly is, ideal though. Yeah, it's not. And the bigger issue here is availability. There's like 40, 50 phones that launched this year in India, right? Yeah. And yeah. you can't buy any of these phones now. It's either wait an hour every week and figure out if that damn thing is available if, if you're able to add it to the cart or just wait wait for one more week and the next version of that will come along and then wait for that to go on sale which will never which will be never yeah it's it's a very haphazard rollout like it's like 
whatever the factory is 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 churning out let's just sell that and announce a flash sale for it i don't understand it yeah it's not even that i mean these brands have not been able to have units of phones available at all like no consistency because i usually recommend a lot of phones and then i suggest somebody to go pick something up and then they come back to me a week later and they're like yeah but this phone is not available what do i do and then i have to go talk to the brand and then i ask them what the hell is going on and they're like oh here's the timeline for the next flash sale so i tell that to the guy that i'm recommending and yeah. then he comes back a week later saying yeah it sold out in 10 seconds what a country yeah. to be in yeah and then you'll see a tweet oh we sold out in this minimal it's like how the okay tell us how many units man i mean it doesn't make a difference you've sold out 100 or 154 it's tell us if yeah. you sold lakhs or thousands you know then it makes it a big deal it's not like you know like you just just say oh it sold out in this very time whenever i get a press release for and a call follow up after that oh we yeah. sold out this one i'm like if you tell me the units i'll do it i'll do the story otherwise please don't waste my time yeah but here's the thing about those flash sales it uh, it's not ideal. It's not ideal for cons- for customers, uh, but I can see why a brand will continue sticking to it. Does it make sense for something like a Xiaomi to continue the flash sale model after what, like six years in the market? Not so much, but they're still operating technically operating on very thin margins, and they want to minimize the amount of logistic space that they have, like the amount of storage space that they use for phones. Everything costs them. So by building a, a smaller number of phones that they can quickly ship out, they're cutting costs over there as well. Once again, not ideal for customers, but that is another cost aspect which comes into play. And putting and they'll be more productive as well. They'll put less stress on their production lines as well. If you've got numerous types of products being produced at the same time, it'll take longer. If you have three phones and then you know you're more, uh, you know, there's economies of scale kicks in then. Yeah, it, back in 2016, I wrote that Xiaomi should end flash sales. At the time, it didn't make sense for them to do flash sales. But at <clears> least <throat> that model that they followed, where they would sell one phone and have it on yeah. flash sale for like over the course of a year, that was still fine because what they were manufacturing Hello. at that point at release Hello, was a loss leader. They were maybe making Hello. breaking even or losing money on every phone sold. Hello. But a year down the line, they would have made some money on the phone. But what they're doing now just makes no sense. They don't even sell phones for a whole year. Six months down the line, they'll have released like three successors to a line. So Yeah, that's just annoying. The whole market has gone absolutely nuts. I, I don't even know how many Note 9s have launched this year. How many? Three? Mm-hmm. So three what? Variants. They're on the Note, the Note 9 Prime. Pro Max. The Pro Max. And Prime. Note 9. What the fuck, know. man? Fuck it. Yeah, including the Prime 4 distinct variants. But they, yeah, there was no need. They're and complicating the, their own, their own production lines. And the Poco M2 Pro. Oh yeah, I mean. Oh yeah, that is. Well. Redmi Note Nine. Fucking hell. Pro M2. <sighs> Realme, I've lost track of the number of phones that they launch. I have no idea I, what iteration they're on now. No. I don't think they also know. <laughs> yeah, I don't think they. I don't think they're aware. Oh, what are we selling this week? Oh, this is a phone we make. <laughs> yeah, I mean, probably, I'm probably, sick and tired of saying. Those yellow boxes in my house, man. I'm just sick and tired. Of yeah, just take them back. Please, just take yeah, please them please back. Please take them back. Oh, like well. Right one more question, okay. please. I think we wasted 10 minutes on this one. Yeah. Who's next? Uh, I think... Uh, Majora Boy. Sean? Ma- yes, yeah. Majora Boy. Okay. Unmute yourself, please. So, I have one question regarding Apple. And it's kind of an opinion-based one. 
do you think in the future mm-hmm. macOS and iPadOS will merge together and like become one hybrid operating system due to the changes that happen in macOS Big Sur, like in the design change and everything? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's not going to happen in the next two years. Give it three to four years, maximum five years. That's definitely the direction that Apple's heading in. Uh, will it be exactly the same? Probably not. Uh, there will be UI differences because at least for the next, till the time they can transition all their pro apps uh, and get give developers enough lead time to switch over to Apple Silicon. Uh, they're not going to make such a huge transition, uh, but we're already seeing a lot of consolidation. Yeah. Uh, you can cross uh, cross compile apps already. Uh, and yeah. once that's locked in place and is stable enough for all sorts of apps, it just makes sense. And uh, even if they never announce it, realistically, if enough of the cro- uh, of the code base crosses over, uh, it is essentially the same operating system at that point. Uh, yeah. Um, I don't think they will do a hybrid system where it's across the iPad and macOS because there are distinct parts of either that need mm-hmm. to have their own user base. But it'll be very interesting. That'll be the most interesting to, thing to see in the next two, three years, right? How these apps like Adobe and stuff like Office scales on Apple Silicon. Yeah, I think as, as uh, you know, as we see Apple move to um, architecture, we'll see more of that transition happening. But at the moment, uh, it's still quite integrated. I use both quite regularly. Uh, but most of it is integrated via the cloud. Um, but I think we'll see some other integrations by Apple very, very soon. Maybe in the next two years for sure. Yeah, and just to add to that, uh, unlike <coughs> Microsoft, um, Apple is absolutely not averse to dropping off legacy support. They've done it in the past. Yeah. Uh, and absolutely. they will do it again. They don't really care about supporting 20-year-old apps or whatever. In fact, like even today, unless you're using something like retrospective, you can't even install an, a slightly older version of iTunes on your Mac. So they are absolutely... And Audacity for you. And Audacity. Audacity doesn't work on the latest versions. Uh, so yeah, like that's the thing. Apple doesn't really give a shit about supporting 20-year-old legacy software or even 10-year-old, heck, not even five-year-old legacy five-year-old software. Five-year-old stuff. Yeah. Um, they really don't Because do that. that's really not their business anyway. Um Increasingly, you're kind of seeing them move away from the pro audience as well, as in they're transitioning them into their walled garden. And uh, if it works, it works. If it doesn't, well, shit, because the biggest revenue sources are now the iPhone, Mainstream. the iPad, uh, the the completely consumer centric side of things. Uh, it's the pro market is just too small for them. And they were already a very small player over there. So yeah. they they don't really care that much about alienating that side of the market, and in fact, like even on the on the music production side, and Akshay can probably fill in more. Uh, what was it? The Roland app, for example, uh, and there've uh, been Logic. Lots, yeah, and Logic, and like a whole bunch of DJ apps which uh, stopped interlinking with iTunes and uh, like you know dropped support for a lot of things. So yeah, like Apple really doesn't give a shit. It's their way or the highway, and they find success in that. So. From at least the business side of things, it completely makes sense. Actually, music producers are the last people to upgrade on any Mac OS because they're worried none of their plugins and any of their MIDI hardware would be compatible. So they're actually the last people to upgrade to any Mac OS update that comes out every year. 
uh, Harish will know as well as exactly what I'm talking about because he uses Ableton and has a lot of uh, MIDI uh, instruments that he uses and uh, and sometimes they are just not supported because um, developers for these hardware and softwares are not given enough time to roll out drivers for them, right? Yeah. So so it's it's a haphazard way to yeah. Or a product is too niche. For example, like my guitar amp doesn't work with the latest version of Mac OS. Yeah. yeah. And also it is what it is. Yeah, that's the bigger context here. For all the mindshare <coughs> Mac gets, um their market share is what, nine percent, ten percent? So out of every ten notebooks sold, one of them is a MacBook. And then even in the MacBook segment itself, a majority of sales are oriented towards the well, MacBook Air, because that's what a lot of offices get in the US and other parts of the world, right? So um that whole focus on the MacBook Pro and the prosumer segment is shifting away. Um, mm-hmm. And that I think was one of the main reasons for them switching to Apple Silicon because they would have looked at it and thought, okay, this is a niche within a niche. So we may as well transition to our own uh, hardware and see how we can scale it up instead of the other way down, other way around. So yep. interesting times. Correct. Right. Time for the cool. next question. Hey, before we get to the next question, let's do one of our giveaways, should we? We totally forgot about that. We've also okay. po- got about to talk about uh, how this podcast started, by the way. <laughs> oh, yeah, we did. Hey, okay. So, let's let's do that. Like, God, this is, well, yeah. Okay. Clearly, this is our first time. This is Giveaway first. first. Giveaway Give first. first. Okay, let's all do the right. giveaway first. So, I've got all the names here. Uh, I need, okay, we've got everybody. So, let's see, pick a random name. Uh, how do we decide what are we giving away? Let's do one uh, of the AMX things first. Okay, let's let's give up the AMX charger. Yeah. Okay. So we've got. Hang on, Just do any mini mini mo, I guess. Hey, I'm using a Video random mouse. name generator. Hey, congratulations! The winner is Venkat. Uh, oh, sweet. So Venkat, you win a charger from AMX, the AXP40, and we'll do a shout out to the. Sponsors of the giveaway, should we do that now? <laughs> yes, we should. <laughs> All right, so the giveaway for the 25th episode of the Untitled Gadget Podcast is sponsored by AMX India. They're giving away two chargers and they actually make like really good products. The cables are bloody fantastic. fantastic. So you guys should fantastic. go ahead and buy those. Uh, who else? We've got Xiaomi India giving away two devices, which is really nice of them. And uh, Akshay, the third yeah. one is... Oh, the third one is Games of Shop. Uh, so they were kind enough to agree to give us uh, uh, codes for three games and they will be doing more giveaways uh, every month with us. So, of course, keep a lookout for that. So in case you don't know who Game the Shop is, they are probably the number one retailer for games in India. Um, you know, you can pre-order your physical games, your digital games for PC, PS4, top up your PSN account and have some incredible um, um Collectors editions for games and stuff. So yeah, Game the Shop is the place for buying games. I also have to mention that before this pandemic, uh, they used to host these midnight launches for games, which was incredible because you get to meet people who, let's say, love a particular franchise. You know, like uh, they have stores in Ahmedabad, Bombay, Tamil Nadu, and I think they used to have one in Gurgaon as well, but that shut down. But yeah, I mean, you know, like they have some, they are doing some great work for the gaming community. So do give them a shout out, guys, after this, after listening to the episode, you know, you can find them on Twitter. So yeah, we're going yeah, to be giving and, away uh, three games right now. We're giving away three games. Uh, in fact, like we'll be giving away one of the games on the podcast itself. So yeah, right now. yeah, like you guys should stay 
tuned and uh, for all the other listeners um you have opportunities to win a whole bunch of other prizes so uh the way that this works is that we give we will be asking questions during the remaining part of the episode because we forgot to do that earlier on um <laughs> and you have to get back to us on twitter with the answer so that you guys actually go ahead and listen to the podcast this has to be some incentive to that um, yeah <laughs> harish you had a couple of questions do you want to lead with one did i Oh, yes, right. Yeah, the questions for the giveaway. Ah, uh, yeah, sure. Ah, uh, let's do the Xiaomi one because they did ten years this year. Ah, uh, this week. Ah, uh, what was it? Yeah, Xiaomi. Xiaomi's name translates to little rice in Mandarin, but that wasn't the first name they went with. What was the name they actually considered for the brand before switching to Xiaomi? Mm-hmm. Sweet. So that's question number one, and uh, I'll be tweeting this out. Um. and yeah get back to us with the answer we'll probably just compile all the names again and do a random name picker thing and give away a prize yeah, yeah. because we're still figuring this out okay uh, on to the next question so we had shlok next yeah so actually i have two questions first of all the first one is for harish only because he is more of the <laughs> pixel guy so harish has used almost all the pixels he hasn't used the 4xl but yeah he's tried out all the generations and the 4a recently came out and people are excited but not to that extent so my question is that google has been launching products uh, every year but the response has always been very bland so do you think uh, they are just uh, dealing the inevitable by just uh, pushing out devices which they can basically use for the adverts no so Here's the thing. I have actually used the Pixel 4 XL. I really like that phone. I was switch- considering switching to that, but I'll do that. Do that once Android 11 comes out. Um, about the hardware, you have to understand that Google really does not care about anything other than its ad business. They make so much money from their ads that they're okay losing like a billion dollars a quarter on their other bets. They routinely do do that too. Uh, so, what their end goal with Pixel? is using that as a platform to push the android ecosystem forward so like i mentioned earlier samsung rolling out 3 years of platform updates that was only possible because there was a phone that was already offering that and that was the pixel so without a uh i wouldn't say flagship without like a phone that google thinks is what android should look like we would not get those changes so i think that is more in line with what google wants out of the pixel line and that's why we see a lot of these baffling hardware decisions pixel phones have never had the best hardware they never have like the best design but that's because google really does not care about these being like mainstream consumer devices it's okay if they don't sell anywhere near as much as samsung or lg or any of the other manufacturers what they want to do is bring forth their vision for what android should be and they've managed to do that with the pixel line that's it um their focus is clearly on the strategy uh on the software strategy rather yeah, if you look at google a, camera yeah absolutely i think just think of it as a showcase for the best of what google can do on the software side of things uh yeah. they pretty much know that these are never going to be like completely mass market devices and in some ways it actually makes sense with the 4a as and the 3a and the 4a now that hey look we're able to push a world class camera a fantastic software experience at a what like a 
$50 price 50. point. If we can yeah. do it, why can nobody else? Um, mm-hmm. And that's the bigger question here. Like, they're, they, anyways, they cannot afford to uh, fuck up their, uh, uh, their partnerships. They don't yep. want to do that either. Uh, they don't want to become the next Samsung. They don't want to become the next Xiaomi because they make yep. money off them. Uh, so that's <laughs> not in their interest anyway. Uh, yep. This is really just a showcase of, hey, this is the, the we can do this. So can you. And we're still selling these phones. Uh, but yeah, now it's up to you to enhance or, you know, build on this, on this level of performance, so to speak. Yep. That's basically it. And yeah, the Pixel 4a is fantastic because for $350, you're getting a camera that's the same as the Pixel 4 series. And that's like what a, it debuted at what a thousand dollars. So it'll have and the best crashed. camera. And then crashed and burned. And then crashed. Yeah. But yeah, so that's their vision. It At the end of the day, they're making money elsewhere. So they don't really need to focus on this. But yeah, yeah it's there for fans that like clean Android like me. I just like yeah. the camera. Yeah. I like the clean yeah. Android as well. Uh, but yeah, it's the camera which sells it for me. Yeah. I kind of yeah. like yeah. the Pixel design too. It's it's quirky and it's a little... Very, I find it indu- quite industrial, the design. Which is why I like it. I'm all about yeah, the minimalism. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so before we get to the next question uh, from the audience, here's a question for the giveaway. Um, Harish, do you want to take this again or should I just go ahead? Go ahead. Oh, this is one of my questions again. Sure. It what is. This, you know BBK as like being one of these huge Chinese conglomerates that well dominates the segment. But what does BBK actually stand for? Okay, so that's the question. Uh, get back to us on Twitter and uh, win a prize. All right, so who's next? We've got Devesh. Who's next? Uh, Devesh, uh, hey, go ahead. Hello, uh, my question is the uh, smartphone gimmick cameras, the 2 megapixel depth camera and the 2 megapixel camera, which I quite don't understand the point why they are giving it. And also not think um, camera. Which they should like the one plus not the one plus not main camera was not quite up to the mark. Yeah, there. And Google has achieved wait up camera via software. So why not other companies can? Okay. Uh awesome. Good question there, Devesh. Uh should I lead with this? Uh okay, so there's multiple aspects to it. Uh why Google is able to do this with one single camera is because they have a shit ton of data uh, and the AI and ML algorithms. Uh, it takes, uh, yeah, it takes a lot to train those um, and not many other companies are able to accomplish that. Like Apple is now sort of getting there, but it's again, not quite as good as the Pixel series uh, with the single camera on the SE. Uh, so that's one aspect to it, like why most other companies cannot. Though they are sort of getting better, but yeah, they're not quite there yet because they don't have the the data sets to actually train photographs for better portrait yep. detection. Uh, why do they go with terrible two megapixel uh, macro cameras and depth cameras? I'll tackle them one by one. Uh, the two megapixel macro camera is... The way that I useless. look at it, yeah, it is utterly useless. The resolution is too low. It's usually around like 1.8 megapixels and it plays into the entire more cameras means the more means the phone is kind of better 
argument that uh, that spec driven argument that every manufacturer is pushing that hey it's a marketing it, gimmick exactly it barely costs us anything and it literally costs them nothing so you know we might as well just toss it in uh there's that aspect and that's pretty much the way that i see it i personally i would rather them not have that 2 megapixel camera because it's terrible anyway than you know and just improve or put resources towards something else um, i would rather have a good telephoto uh, sensor yeah and the depth sensor well yeah it it sort of helps with the portrait mode not many uh, do a great implementation of it but in the for, given the lack of their uh, software tuning for it or the lack of the ai and ml sets for it uh the depth sensor does help technically uh end of the day it comes down to the manufacturer's implementation yeah yeah i'd rather have the one camera on the pixel 4a than the six cameras on the nord and as <laughs> yeah. for why these cameras suck out of the box it's just down to optimization every time there's it they're using the same sensor as the OnePlus 7 Pro 7T and the 8 but they're using it on a new platform the 765 so they have to tweak things so that the the tuning uh is on par with what they had last year so that's why anytime you see any OnePlus phone the camera is not great out of the box but it will get much better a month or two down the line that has been a that has been an issue for them for what 2 3 years now yeah they should have fixed it before they rolled out the phone but that is the way they work yeah. maybe next year yeah i mean that's the thing right like getting cameras right is also not easy um i mean it's actually really really tough and uh, i think that's part of the uh, the discussions that we've had with the oneplus team as well harish and akshay right that yeah. who do you optimize for do you optimize for somebody who's looking for the most neutral look Do you optimize for the more mass market, oversaturated look? How do you even balance it? India wants a certain kind of tuning. Europe wants a certain kind of tuning. So striking that balance is also hard. Though I would say like OnePlus has fucked up more than most other more brands than that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. in that respect. They do eventually yeah, get then, it right, but yeah, this needs to be out of the box, not like a month or two down the line. They're fucking up in three different ways now because for each market they have different set of camera tuning <laughs> parameters. So and. Then it's I mean, not working in any market, so yeah. I mean, we've been to their camera lab, and they said they would be working on things, but we don't see it. Yeah, yeah. but hey, new design! Wow. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. Uh, Akshay, do you want to get one of your questions in? Oh yeah. So, uh, do we do this on Twitter or do we do this here? Actually, let's do a quick giveaway first. Uh, okay. Let's give away a game, maybe. Yeah. Uh. uh Let's give away Devil May Cry for PS4. Yeah. Uh, do we have many PS4 gamers here? How many do we have? Because otherwise we can switch to another platform. Yeah. <laughs> Done. So we have WWE for the PC. PC gamers. Do we have PC gamers here? Yes, we do. One. Okay. Do you want to switch over to one of the Xiaomi things then? <laughs> Okay, <laughs> or we can switch. Over, we can switch over to this uh, the thing I have uh, a PD power bank. Okay. Uh, yeah. Okay, let's just do a power bank giveaway then, and yeah. uh, we also have the Xiaomi nightlight. We can give away that. Oh, whichever works. Yeah. Okay. So let's we'll figure that out. Uh, maybe the the winner can choose from the two. All right. So let's do a random name pickup. Yeah, they can choose. That's much easier. Two 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 two. 
and we have Karan Thakur. So, Karan, you get to choose between the Xiaomi Nightlight or a PD Power Bank. Yeah, you can. What power bank? What do you want? Tell us, tell us, tell us. Nightlight. Okay, sweet. Nightlight. You get awesome. a nightlight. Yeah, that shall illuminate the darkness in your life. <laughs> oh wow! All right, over to the next question. Uh, wait, that was Karan, right? Yeah, Karan was next. Karan, go ahead. Yeah. What are your thoughts about the rumors that say Google will be replacing Duo with Meet? <laughs> okay, Google has no idea what they're doing with their messaging strategy and they keep fucking things up a year after year and they keep coming up with new things. What do I think? Count, man. Yeah, what do I think about it? I don't know, like does it even matter because Google's going to do Google, Google? Yeah. And yeah. that's it. Did they have Allo as well? They did. And what happened to that? So, um I'll give you some inside baseball on how Google does things. Google has two products for everything. Everything. Um, that's just the way they've done. They've done things from the beginning. So they roll out both products and see what works, and then the thing that doesn't get gets killed off. Basically, that's that. yeah. So that's how we ended up with that. What I think they had six or seven different messaging products, and now they're putting their energy behind. Android messages and RCS that turned into a clusterfuck, but that's for another day. Uh, <laughs> Allo was really nice, but they never—I mean, they never got anyone to use it. So that's why they. Yeah, shut that's it down. exactly what I don't have anyone who uses Duos or Allo or anything for that matter. Allo. Yeah, that's a problem. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I guess maybe some people use it when calling from Nest Hubs. Maybe I don't know. I have like six different Google Home and Nest Hub thingies, so I hate I disabled that dual calling because all of those ring at the same time. It's so irritating. Yeah, I mean, think of it like this: they still haven't figured out. Uh, I mean, their answer every single time is, "Oh, it should smartly auto detect." But like with my phone, like four feet away from me, and my Google Nest right next to me, it's right there behind me. Every time I call out the hot word, it's my phone which picks it up, but not the Nest. It's, yeah, fuck. Yeah. That, that's the reason why I removed uh, uh, the Google Home from my room and switched to Alexa because I like, fuck this shit. If this, it can't even work the way I intended it to, then what's the point? Yeah, it's it's pretty fucked up. Like, and they don't even do those hot word custom hot words and stuff. Uh, it's pretty stupid. Uh, I mean, I Wait, like Majora Boy is PS4. We, uh, we can give him a game. We can, but Majora Boy did not win the game. Yeah. Uh, so we can do one of those uh, yeah. it's not like we're ending now we yeah. will have more of these to give away right? yeah yeah, we do we, will. We, we should probably start doing giveaways every month because yeah. hopefully why not we should think of that uh, but yeah like that's the thing I mean before we move on to the next question uh, like I, I love Google's hardware for the smart home ecosystem it sounds better than equivalent Echo hardware, uh, the display's yeah. um, UI integration is fantastic. It's leagues ahead of what Amazon is doing. But as a smart home hub, smart home hub uh, Echo hardware just works better and is so much more yeah. reliable. It works every single time. Uh, whereas Google, like it, it, it works it when takes, it decides to work. 
it takes five seconds just to think whether I want to do this job or not. Just like yeah. the hardware and software team. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, pretty much that. Like, so I've got this one. Uh, so I've got like ten smart lights in my bedroom, which is where I am right now. And there's this one command for setting it on TV mode or whatever. And nine out of ten times, the Google Nest will always start giving me some sort of a diatribe about what a TV is. And I'm like, that's literally not what I asked. Whereas Alexa works every single time. So yeah, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's not as if Google can't do this. They can. The they just don't want to. It's yeah. that basically. They don't get. I think they got all the data they need. So they're like, okay, we'll half ass it on the software features. Yeah, um, pretty much yeah. that. All right. Uh, time for the next question. Uh, so we've got. The waste question. Who's next? Whoever it is, yes. Unmute yourself. Yes. Yeah. So after BAT subject situation, situation, uh, uh, Xiaomi has officially stopped the Mi series. What do you think? What may be the reason behind that? Well, nobody is buying them. I think that's, that's totally it. Yeah. So it was interesting. Because Xiaomi officially kicked off the second wave of Android One with the Mi A2, with the Mi A1, obviously, right? Sorry. Uh, so, yeah, and with HMD and a few Motorola phones committing to the platform, I don't think Google needs Xiaomi as much, and Xiaomi doesn't need Android One as much anymore because they tried it out with the initiative, and it doesn't look like a lot of users took to the clean software and. They've had so many issues because it's a totally different architecture to what they do with MIUI. So they've had so many issues with with rolling out just security updates. Every update they rolled out, they had to roll it back because something or other broke the damn phone. So I think after that, with three generations, they're like, "Fuck it, this isn't selling. We're not getting any good press out of it. Why bother?" Yeah, they really it wasn't benefiting Google or yeah. I mean, for stock Android, they really fucked up the launch of those phones. Yeah, uh, and the updates like the thing, the Mi A3 did not get the stable update until what May? Yeah, like eight months, eight it's nine months. It's been a joke. It's been a joke. Yep. Yeah, it so has been. Or as Harish would say, it's all garbage. It's all hard garbage. <laughs> hard garbage. Not a big deal because the interesting thing here is Xiaomi is going more towards that Google route with its flagships. With mm-hmm. by preloading more Google services and the dialer and Duo and messages by default instead of MIUI things, uh, you see that in me in the Mi Ten series. So while they're not doing Android One, they're trying to get more of their phones away from a lot of MIUI services. So it works out better. Yeah, and also like if you think skin. of it, like over the years, uh, their own skin is at least cosmetically it's starting to get lighter, which is also something that uh, I mean. Most people, when they talk about stock Android or whatever clean Android, they're like mostly usually just referring to the aesthetics of it and faster updates. And on their own platforms, they're actually getting pretty good with updates. Uh, at yep. least the monthly security updates. Uh, so I've been tracking a lot of these. Xiaomi, even Realme for that matter, is pretty damn quick with security updates. So at that point, if it looks light enough, adds features that people seem to care about, seem to anyway. And are quick with updates. Does is there still a market for stock <laughs> stock Android? I don't know. Yeah, 
Well, there's, Some... prob- there's probably a market for it. It's just not big enough for them to justify it. Yeah, that's true. If anything, I like MIUI 12 better than One UI. So there is that. Yeah, they've actually yeah. done a really nice job. I love the meat. They did. Yeah. Shame it went back. All right. Oh, they're sending it back, by the way. Yeah. Wait, it went back? They, they yeah. said mine went back. Uh, but yeah, Shame. they're sending mine it too. back again to check out the MIUI 12 Me update. Too. So I'm kind of excited about we know, that. We know, we know why it went back. We know exactly why it went back. What did I do? No, not you, man. It's because some competition form was launching at the same oh time. that yeah yeah wait what phone oh the one Pro. yeah, the yeah, yeah. Ah. so they didn't want comparisons and yeah uh, they didn't want anything yeah. oh i should get the meet and ultra i'll ask yeah do that stop making uh, the listeners jealous all right uh <laughs> who was next hang on uh, I think it was Shlok who was next. Shlok, you had a second question. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, again, I'm back to another Pixel related question. So we recently got the news that the Pixel 5 will not be sporting the highest of the highest chipset as in it won't be having the 865. And in a time when we are yeah. seeing that the flagship devices are getting more and more expensive, like the S series and the Note series from Samsung, this year start at around mm-hmm. $1,300, $1,400, right? Uh, whereas in yeah. the same year we are getting devices like the 4a the iphone se at they, that provide great value so mm-hmm. do you think that uh sooner or later within a year or two or something will reach peak price because nowadays the price to performance ratio really isn't that good when we consider the flagships so this uh, if i'm getting your question right uh or maybe i didn't get like part of it uh but the thing is uh, the Pixel going with the 765, it's perfectly fine. It's actually perfectly fine because the 765 is pretty damn powerful for most Day people. Most people, anyways, gamers are not going to buy a Pixel phone. That's not their yeah. audience. Uh, performance enthusiasts are not buying that phone anyway. Uh, the Pixel has a very defined audience. Uh, say somebody like me, for example, who just wants a great camera in their pocket. Um, a phone that works reliably well. Uh, I'm well past the time where, you know, like I had time to actually sit down and play games on my phone or whatever. And that's the that's also the audience that Google is chasing with the Pixel 4a. It, it doesn't have six cameras. It doesn't have a whole ton of features, but it's a solid, reliable phone. And for, for something like that, and if they price it at what, like $800, $900 even, I'd, I'd, I'd be in for that. It does 5G, which doesn't matter in India, but it matters globally. It has enough power and that's it. Uh, yep. Maybe if, uh, you guys can chime in on the price to performance, but I don't think I understood the question properly. Okay, so here's what I'll say about the Pixel 5 coming with the 765. So Google is very data-driven. It knows what it what its customers want. So if it saw that a lot of users were gaming or need that kind of performance, it would have it would have gone with the A65. The fact that it did not suggests that, and also, hey, for other than game playing games for over an hour, the 765 is just as good as the 865 and it'll cost them like a few hundred dollars less. less. So I think the trade-off there is worth it. Um, as for value for flagships, 13, 1400 is nowhere close to what we'll see. That will continue to rise over the coming years because now the latest and greatest is no longer your traditional flagships, it's foldables. So as foldables start to become more mainstream, that $2,000 price point is no longer like 
oh that's something that phones will never get to we've already passed that uh, yeah so yeah there's no there's not going to be a limit as to how much phones cost because we're seeing that with every few years we're seeing a generational shift in technology and that's just going to increase the prices yeah here's my hypothesis about that uh expect the note series to be around 1500 and the note or an a note ult- maybe the note ultra or whatever they end up calling it the note series sort of gets folded into the galaxy fold series because uh there are rumors that the next fold is going to support the stylus the s pen as well um and this year it's pretty obvious that they've kept most of the innovation for the fold series that's what they're pushing yeah. now uh because on one hand uh they want to sell more uh, of the higher end phones they want to make the fold series mainstream um over time and uh yeah so that keeping innovation for that makes sense and the nine, and the 999 dollar price point for the note 23rd edition is going to get normalized so you know you have the bare bones model then you have the mid the sort of high end and then you have the flagship so 1000 1500 2000 it's going to get more and more normalized over the next 2 to 3 years yeah yeah and for uh, for iPhones you can expect a higher apple tax that's for sure but one thing i like what they're doing this year is they're coming out with multiple variants they're not compromising on the chipset but they will compromise in other areas so that they can sell in better volumes obviously with the pandemic and the rising cost they need to sell more units to maintain that uh, that revenue right so uh, sure your the pro variants of apple iphone 12 pro or whatever the hell is going to be there are going to be far less customers this year but you will see that with iphone se to uh, whatever the hell they call it uh, 12 12s 11s whatever the hell they call it uh, there are three other models for people to choose from so we can see apple making that same shift what android oems do which is offer multiple phones in multiple price uh, segments and uh, apple is doing that as well because they probably felt that our phones are getting too expensive for the mass market uh, i'll add to that yeah. though like the iphone se with the top of the line processor makes absolute sense it's yeah. they're not doing customers a favor that hey look we are giving you the best of performance at that price point um uh, that is one aspect of it but apple is thinking much bigger than that like they're into these services and the entire ecosystem business so by making an iphone <coughs> se uh, affordable but then also good enough that it's going to last you a couple of years uh means that they can lock you into the broader ecosystem be it through services um iCloud uh Apple TV Plus uh whatever Apple News Apple Music but also it opens a gateway for them to sell you other services uh, other products say something like the Apple Watch so for $400 uh if they give you a gift phone uh you know maybe you'd just upgrade the phone but now you have a phone where you will have where they will have recurring revenue from services and they can potentially sell you an apple watch next year or some other product in a year or two uh with a consumer who might not necessarily have otherwise invested into a broader ecosystem so that's one aspect to it and from the consumer side from an android point of view uh it's yes prices are going up but there is a bright side still that with the commoditization of tech uh even mid-range chipsets are good enough for a whole lot of people uh yeah. mobile phone gaming is huge yes but the online there are enough products 
also about mobile gaming sorry to cut you off there yeah. there are enough products that cater to that particular niche so you don't have to necessarily settle exactly and <laughs> i mean just adding adding not adding adding to that um, the enthusiasts usually grossly overestimate how big performance is like you know the biggest criteria for buying a phone um yeah. the average customer average consumer doesn't give a shit if the phone has an 865 or a 765 they just want want or something that works nice and smooth I, i mean the biggest target audience we can just everyone on this call are your parents man they don't give a damn about if it has 865 or not they're not going to be gaming maybe casual gaming like you know they'll play something like angry birds or something you know very very casual games so for those people this makes total sense uh, but then know. again look the galaxy a51 and a31 are the best selling phones globally yeah. and yeah. those turds come with 3 year old chipset that lag like exactly. all the fucking That's- time Yeah, yeah, I mean, so it doesn't matter. Th- there's multiple aspects. Absolutely, I mean, one of the most popular games in India is fucking Ludo King. Okay, there you go. <laughs> so, and that does not need an eight sixty five to run. Uh, ah, so yeah, okay. that's that's basically it. Like, um, yes, the enthusiasts will cry that phones are getting too expensive. Candy Crush, yeah. But end of the day, there will still be these flagship killers, which will also get a little more expensive, which. again you know prices cannot stay stable uh, year after year uh, there is inflation on all sides and well you i mean for the listeners here who are in salaried jobs you probably get an increment every year so you know phones get more expensive every year uh, mm-hmm. and that's kind of it like that's basically it like you still have great options and this the 765 this year there'll be something else next year and it will get more powerful and it will keep up with the demands for most users yay and we found a way to say 20 sentences that basically say the same fucking thing so yay <laughs> the untitled untitled ranting podcast yeah okay uh, okay time for a giveaway bye <laughs> hey, it's time for another giveaway question akshay one of yours uh yeah uh Of course, I'm going to be doing a gaming giveaway. I'm going to ask a question related to Devil May Cry Five. So, uh, I mean, you know, I like the business of video games, so I'm going to ask something related to that. Uh, the question is: Which Japanese studio is responsible for developing and publishing the DMC franchise? Cool. So that's a question for Twitter. And uh, yep. no, no, you don't give the answer here. Let them figure it out. <laughs> But yeah, that's a question yeah. for Twitter. Hit us up with a reply. That was question number three. We've got two more questions uh, coming up. Really? Over. Yeah, we do. We have Fuck. we have a lot of things to give away. But hey, it's already eighty minutes, man. <laughs> that's that's part yeah. of the course for us. Uh, but hey, let's do uh, let's do another giveaway on for the live listeners. Let's do okay. this. All right. Our names have... also in the randomizer thing because it'll be really funny if I win one of these products. Well, we our name is not there. Yeah, our name is not there. Much as I would like to win, uh, Devil May Cry. All right. <laughs> so we've got Madhav. Uh, Akshay, what do we have for Madhav? A uh, question or a game? Uh, well, Madhav, you're not a gamer, are you? No. Nope. Fine. What no. do we want to give him then? Well, since. We're gonna give him the ten thousand mAh uh, power bank. Sweet. Congratulations! Perfect. All right, you get a power bank. Uh, 
that was not very enthusiastic of me but okay uh who had the next question madhav madhav had the next question okay so madhav go ahead so my question is that uh, do you guys think uh, android tablets which are basically dead right now will be able to make a comeback This is the last question so far. No. Uh, Google looked at Android uh, on tablets and then it tried with a few products. The Pixel Slate was the last one, right? Yeah. I have and then Galaxy, it, I have the Galaxy Tab S. No, no, Google like, on its own. Oh, and then Google it decided that it's not going to give a shit anymore. So nope. it's like, yeah, fuck off. That's it. It exited that whole category. That's it. So <laughs> the only player left is the Samsung, Samsung now, and that's for good reason because Samsung invested way more money and resources into building out the tab Galaxy Tab line than Google ever did f- figuring out the software for it. Um, and even until a few years ago, Xiaomi and a few other budget players used to roll out their Mi Pad and all those devices. but even they don't see value in releasing a tablet now just because of what a shit show android is on tablets yeah. so that's how little google focuses on the platform uh other than samsung there's just amazon that runs its own fork that's why you see amazon selling a fuck ton of their tablets that's it go buy one of their tablets because there's no reason to buy a high end samsung tablet get a low end one to use as a screen for netflix so Current but, commented uh, the tab S7 with 120 hertz index seems legit. Yeah, it does seem legit, but it isn't. Yes, the hardware is amazing. The software is yeah. fuck all. Fuck all. Like no, the only thing the you'll be using, yeah. the only thing you'll be using that tablet for is replying to emails and watching Netflix. That's it. Uh, that's that's basically. That's it. it. So I've got that's the. I've, I think uh, both of us have the tab S5e, was it, or one of those, yeah. the S6 or whatever, one of those lying around. It is S6 Lite. Yeah, uh, the hardware is great. the software is a fucking steaming pile of garbage and that's and despite whatever samsung has done to fix it and they've done a lot to fix it uh but yeah this, execution is not there yeah forget about execution the apps are not there everything is a blown up phone app and i picked up an ipad pro a few weeks back okay there is no competition google cannot compete and it's not going to happen it will not happen i want an ipad pro so badly you have oh, an ipad pro Not for me. Well, not I, for I me either. For but the, like, you have yeah, one at home. Yeah, I got one for my wife, and she loves it. But I want one for myself. Yeah, I really need to get one. Yeah, I think no. I think Dhruv got enticed when he saw my picture with the controller. I did, man. Like, so I mean, I've been messing around uh, with the wife's iPad Pro just a little bit, and every single time I pick it up, oh, there's more that I want to do. So I'm actually <laughs> really, really interested in picking up one for myself. They're like way too fucking expensive, but Who knows? Might just pick it up as a birthday gift for my gift for myself. It is awesome. Really incredible. You deserve. I'll it. get it as a gift for doing twenty five episodes of this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that uh, giveaway time, guys. Give me a give me an iPad, please. <laughs> yeah, I'll I'll talk to Anand. Yeah, you're much elder yeah. to me. I'm going to play the age card here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Okay. Uh, next question. That was. Uh, Who was it, Majora Boy? I think. Yeah. Yep. Go. So I have one question, and that is regarding gaming. So, what are your thoughts on more and more game companies releasing like half-baked games on launch, and then patching them in the future through updates rather than releasing a fully ready game? 
So I think um, if you've uh, seen games like uh, Ghost Recon, Anthem, Destiny, uh, and every game that is a live service game tend to be rushed out of the door. And I feel, and when you ask a full price for a game like that, I feel that uh, that's just wrong. I mean, um, you're selling a half-baked game for a full price. The same issue that I have with OnePlus Galaxy Note uh, 20 Ultra, like it's just don't rush your products out. If I mean, if you a, a bad game will always be a bad game. I think uh, Miyamoto Miyamoto said that that you know a, a rushed out bad game will always be. A bad game but if you if you delay the game and fix your game it will always be remembered for being a great game so uh, i think a lot of companies just tend to be stuck in a loop where we have to keep making money from the live service game and then they'll take their what they don't realize it they end up damaging their brand so much that people just turn away from the game altogether like anthem was the biggest disaster from uh, last year assassin's creed unity yes it was horrible at launch and it still has issues today if you play it um it's just that um with assassin's creed for example ubisoft had a rule that they want to take out an assassin's creed game every year and it was horrible for them now they they take out you know after two years like we had assassin's creed origins and we had odyssey and now valhalla they give enough time for developers to make games and you know you can see the quality of games when they launch. Uh, I, I doubt Valhalla is going to be great. To be honest, I what I've seen and what I've played so far, it didn't look. It like will it. be the best game of twenty twenty. Okay. No, it won't. It, it was very janky. It didn't look great. Um, but yeah, I mean that's what. Uh, it's just that uh, when executives don't really know, uh, they just look at the balance sheet and not actually look at the game that they're launching. They end up hurting themselves. That's what I feel. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I look at Nintendo. You've... I don't know if you've, any of you have played Nintendo. They're fucking incredible games, no matter what. Quality is the one thing they always focus on. They'll nev- Nintendo will never launch a broken game ever in their lives. And yeah, they don't launch there. broken games, but sometimes, I don't know, I I, I lost interest in uh, Paper Mario. It's gets a yeah, little repetitive. Boring is different. Yeah. It still works. It's It still works, right? It's not like the game is like you can't even connect to the fucking service. But does that not bring us back to the topic of building for one platform? They build so, for I mean, one platform. Like look at Sony's games. Sony's first party games are usually on point at launch. So most of the times, every game is made for the console and then ported over for PC. Now, the biggest one is Arkham Knight, Batman Arkham Knight. It worked, worked perfectly fine on consoles, but it was shit on, on PC. This is, this. I mean, it, it was, the game would crash. It wouldn't even run. So yeah, I mean, it is about making for platforms. Sometimes people don't have enough resources to dedicate enough developers for each platform. But then again, uh, there's certain games like Anthem that was made in 18 months. You need to give enough time for developers to make the, make the game run on each on uh, each platform, right? And if you don't give enough time, it's the it's the same with phones as well. I think we discussed some phone that was rushed out recently. Yep. And it was horrible at launch. Yeah. So it's it's the same with anything. You rush any kind of work, you know, it, it's going to turn out bad. And then you have like seven years for Cyberpunk, and they're still not satisfied with it. <laughs> Yeah, they're still not satisfied with it. They're just last week they were like, "Oh, we're not satisfied with the with the hand to hand combat system." I'm like, "What? It looked fucking great to me, but you're not happy with it." <laughs> but to be fair, like, I mean, The Witcher 3's combat was not quite its highlight. Yeah, 
Vajora, yes, I will be playing actually Xenoblade Chronicles 2. I just bought it last week. Yeah, but I agree. Nintendo makes some great games. Man. Yeah, awesome. Uh, so let's do question awesome. number four for the giveaway before. Bye. Hang on in there. Come on. Be a little <laughs> more excited. This is your own fucking podcast. I have to be better. It's ninety minutes very, now. Very, very badly, and I and I keep drinking more and more water. I'm not helping myself. <laughs> <laughs> okay, why don't you go take a quick leak while I go ahead and ask the next question for the giveaway? Sweet. This is as uh, raw as it gets. I don't know if I'm going to edit that out or not. Uh, but okay. Uh, so the next question for the uh, for the Twitter followers and just everybody else who's listening out there, since you'll have to answer on Twitter. Stop giggling, Hari. <laughs> yeah, actually, let's. <laughs> hey, oh, the pressure God. is real. The pressure is real. Okay, uh, so this is again Akshay's question. I don't have any questions at all. I'm a nice guy, like. Uh, which was the first FIFA game, and what year did it launch? That should be an easy one. Hit us up yeah. with the answer for that uh, over on Twitter, and uh, you might have a prize for yourself. And uh, while Akshay comes back, um, maybe if everybody wants, they can, you know, we let's not do questions, but if somebody wants to discuss something, just generally, we can do that now. Just let me know so that we can have one question. Not the questions. We're going to save that for Akshay as well. Uh, yeah, this will uh, probably be needed to be edited out. So I'll just ask it here. Uh, what do you think about the recent thing? A uh, certain media person who, uh, with some reverence pulled. Posting of a private mm. chat with a professional that represents a company. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I I got your question. I know it doesn't need to be edited out. We've been we've we shit on people all the time. Uh, if you can, we shit on YouTubers all the time. If you yeah. want a podcast where everyone where we where someone constantly shits on YouTubers and how they don't have any sense, yeah, this is it. Okay, so I'll keep it a little brief. Um, the last few years, the entire concept of ethics in journalism, and to be fair, like I think we are all on the same page when we say that YouTubers are not journalists. Like we are not traditional journalists either, but at yeah. least we follow the the same ideas of ethics and integrity, or at least try yeah. to maintain that, because do not doing that is a disservice. For readers, readers are coming to us, uh, or listeners are coming to us, expecting an unbiased view, and that is what we should be offering anyway. That is the right thing to do. Uh, YouTubers, yep. on the other hand, have given up all pretense. Now they go, they call themselves tech journalists, sure, but they are influencers, and uh, mm -hmm. they don't necessarily follow any sense of professionalism. What happened with Geeky, him posting a private chat? I wouldn't post a private chat with a friend online. Forget yeah. about a conversation with a brand. Uh, it yep. is absolutely the wrong thing to do. Um, his, since clearly like everybody seems to have armies these days, there's that stuff listing army. There's some army or the other. Uh, I don't know, like, what are you enrolling an army for? Are you going to go back to battle? That's the thing. Uh, they've, de they've developed these fandoms of sorts who are listening who are basically willing to do anything or you know believe anything that that person says and it is they're doing a disservice to themselves if they're out uh, if they're looking for entertainment sure if they're looking for an unbiased opinion on tech or a device or whatever uh sorry you're following the wrong the wrong guys 
what was the question uh it was basically a thing on uh, geeky putting out that private conversation with shaomi yeah so i'll uh, see the thing that you have to understand is youtube is all about drama it's not it's more like the current state of tech youtube is more like techtainment it's like a portmanteau <laughs> of entertainment in india at least yeah in it's this just there's just no integrity to anyone left and that's sad because well they are now like the dif- driving force for the industry because they get a lot they get away with a lot of shit i feel like the in india in particular they control the narrative for the industry rather than the other way around but we got to this point by encouraging these guys so uh i'll tell you the major difference between us and uh, youtubers i don't know if anyone here knows this but the three of us for example when we work with an organization we have a ethics code of conduct that we have to sign we we cannot really go deviate from that uh, and that includes leaking private conversations uh and for youtubers there's no such thing they have no ethic code of conduct because they work for themselves and it all comes down to what their personal ethics are And I mean it's that, not even that like sorry yeah. to cut you off there it's not even about the it's fact that they're decency. working yeah it's not the, about the fact that they're working for themselves so they can be assholes whenever they want it's just the fact that nobody there has set up any measure of integrity yeah so no they see so it's usually like the biggest tech publication for instance has these guidelines and it trickles down so they see a site like the verge doing something around ethics and a few other sites follow that so that's the way it usually goes but when you look at youtube the biggest youtuber is like the biggest he doesn't even review phones know. yeah i don't know what to call <laughs> he doesn't even there. review phones i don't know what he so does douchebag when yeah let's go with douchebag when the biggest youtuber is the douchebag that's just encouraging all these other small other, players yeah, to just give away give, yeah to, <laughs> 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 to that's what exactly he along is. in his path Yeah, he's so a marketing platform for brands now. That's what he is. So if he's a big guy can get away with shit, everybody else follows along. That's basically it. Yeah. To give you some perspective, and that's pretty much true for all three of us to in varying degrees. When I write a review, when I publish a review, it's vetted by five different people to ensure there yeah, is yeah. no bias. Yeah. And that is the right way to go ahead because, end of the day, you are serving your customers, not. your readers your readers are your customers not the marketing base you have to make money sure all of us do affiliate do you know sponsored stuff uh on the on our websites where it's all clearly marked out it is clearly defined because there are different people who do that yeah there are different people us. who do that because end of the day uh there is no money if there are no readers if the readers lose interest or you know lose faith in your content uh you lose yeah if the readers don't come back a brand doesn't invest in you so yes there is that fact that every publication will do some sort of sponsored content at some point but it is about how you approach it whether it is declared as such whether it is defined as such uh on the other hand we have a whole bunch of content in the indian landscape where there are no declarations it goes under standard uh bylines that and it once you read it and maybe you know the average guy doesn't realize it we've all all three of us have been in in the industry for like 10 years i've been doing this for the last 12 13 years you read it it's very obvious when the copy is coming from from marketing yeah yeah 
you know it that's the thing and that money is a driving force here as well because i distinctly remember this one time uh, i reached out to a pr one of these chinese brands and the first thing they asked me was okay how much do you want for the review we usually get 3 lakhs or something and then i was like wait what and then i did not review those phones not just that particular device because i was like yeah no did not even talk to that brand after that because that's they've conditioned these youtubers have done a great job conditioning the media industry as a whole to expect that sort of treatment from them because usually when i talk to a new pr from like say a questionable brand uh they'll act as for things like commercials mm-hmm. as to how much would you charge for giving yeah. us this coverage and i'm like uh yeah. no we don't do that that's what stuff. happened with me as well i just directed to the sales team because that's their job not mine yeah so yeah there's also a lot of, about it. there's also a lot of coercion that goes on now with the kind of scale that they have uh and uh yeah uh, as in they are in a position they've well they've been brought into a position by the brands that they can force dictate their terms. way they can dictate terms that hey like and whoever was surprised venkat you were surprised at 3 lakhs oh that's a small number that's that's a very small number uh, there yeah. there are people out there making 15 to 20 lakh rupees per video uh for and double that figure if they shit on another brand yeah, yeah. so yeah they <laughs> I, i don't think you realize the kind of scale or the kind of money that uh, some of these bigger youtubers are working at not I mean, how do you yeah. think you get a porsche or you know these expensive cars how how do you think they get that you, you, you don't you, you don't get that with youtube ad money and you don't get that with ethics so yeah. especially when your audience is from india you don't get that from youtube ad money at all yep that's basically it that's why we don't make that much money <laughs> well not that kind that's of money right. yeah that's why i don't have an ipad pro i could have bought four ipad pros by selling out damn it Shit. it's okay Well, but I mean, I mean, think about it. Like, there's a reason why YouTubers are doing giveaways is because they don't have that integrity. They need people yeah. to keep coming back to them, That's and they the don't reason. have that. Yeah, there's yeah. there's nothing to retain their audience without. Yeah, some there's sort of no a, loyalty for their audience. Um, um, we are doing a giveaway. <laughs> yeah, but we're celebrating something. We're not doing it as a marketing deal. We, by the way, guys, we don't. We're not even making a rupee from all of this. Yeah, it's just. Yeah, we. Yeah, that's. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that's a good segue to do a shout out. Like, like we literally just reached out to friends and brands. Hey, like we're celebrating our twenty fourth episode, and they. If you want to give away something, um, we did not ask them to give anything expensive because yeah, it's not that kind of a deal in place. It's like it's not a deal in place at all. It's just actually we let them choose what they want to give. Yeah, just like whatever yeah. you feel like. Uh, so shout out to Xiaomi for giving away a beard trimmer, the new one, and a nightlight, which has already been given given away uh, yeah. to Karan. Um, that nightlight is fantastic, by the way. Yeah, uh, I really like it. <laughs> shout out to AMX for giving away two of their really cool chargers. Um, they actually make really good products, and I vouch by it personally. Not Same. a sponsorship here at all. And I wish it was. I wish it was, but it is not. Uh, someday we'll get there, man. Someday we'll have D brand sponsoring us. Uh, oh damn! And also, that's when you know we've got legit. Yeah. D brand <laughs> or a VPN service. Uh, If you don't want people to track you, please download this VPN service. Yes. And also shout out to Games the Shop for giving away three game codes for the deluxe editions of WWE 2K20. Uh, DMC five, all the Madelix editions. DMC five and FIFA twenty. Um, 
yeah i think all three codes are up for for giveaway yet yeah. aren't they not uh, i have two more questions to ask for that yeah yeah ask it should i ask them Perfect. so for fifa i'll ask Wait, i've already asked the... that question for twitter you oh, you have yeah while you were taking a leak okay so i'll ask the last question sure go for which it which is for wwe and i think this will be for our listeners who have actually been listening to every episode what gaming company is drow a fanboy of i need an answer for that <laughs> oh, I need even to, i don't know even i don't know that let me think of course you know you can hear oh. it you can hear it you can hear it in his voice when he talks about this brand oh wait is it i th- yeah okay okay i'm not giving away the answer but okay cool what's shadow legends what no what's shadow legends who raid shadow legends oh yeah that's a, it's a popular mobile game that every youtuber promotes in their videos ah okay <laughs> yeah they've got it right yeah capes india has been promoting a lot as well i don't know what's rap card first time i'm hearing of that but okay these are all, like these are all the brands we should approach by the way thanks making a list right now please please go <laughs> all right hang on we had more questions and i've lost track in the chat Uh, okay bye wait whoever was next go ahead i think there was some there was karan right karan you had a question yeah i already asked the geeky thing but uh, i have another one written down uh, coming back to google meet what do you think about them uh, shitting all on the apps like i recently set up google meet for my sister who uses with her college and like uh, when she clicked on the link it didn't even go to the google meet app it went into gmail because why not <laughs> um it it again comes down to their platform play so they're still trying to figure out what google meet will be um uh, so i think yeah it's just that's just the way google products are forever in beta huh, forever in beta it's just it's just the price you pay for being in the google ecosystem just those sort of issues Man, there's I just a lot of things about Google that are fucked up. Like I signed on to G Suite 11 years ago. Um, probably the biggest mistake I ever made because now my primary Google account, like, and my, and like, at least for me, my life revolves around my email, which is like everything is tied into that. Um, and I can't use like half the services. Like on the Google Nest, uh, G Suite <coughs> calendars don't work, uh, or calendar edition doesn't work. Uh, ironically it works on the echo <laughs> so there's that yeah uh i can't use google pay i can't use uh, youtube's family accounts because google thinks that's a security threat i don't know i don't know uh you with google you never really know so this this i don't think there's like a solid answer for that but hey it's google so that's basically it uh let's yeah, move on to this at least it's not microsoft that's all i can say to that yeah Okay, who wants to go next? Like we had, we definitely had one more question. Okay, Yash, go ahead. What about Qualcomm's monopoly over the chipsets and smartphones? Like MediaTek's only P twenty two is get, we are seeing a lot in the budget mm-hmm. smartphones. Why not Qualcomm chipsets are being used? Because they are the best yeah, for Android. Yeah, because there's a lot of factors. Marketing has a big role in this, particularly in India and China, where Qualcomm absolutely dominates. Um, I think. they don't they uh, to be fair they built up a huge lead in the modern business and they did a lot of stuff well for snapdragons in the mid range and the high end um uh, 
I think that's just down to it because of the marketing play. MediaTek tried genuinely for a few years to get its Helio branded stuff. Last year's Redmi Note devices were yeah, bought by Helio, Helio right? Yeah. But it's now at a point where if it's not running Qualcomm, consumer perception is such that it's not as good. Yeah. So it will take a few years for MediaTek to get back it get itself back into the conversation. It is trying with 5G. Their fire dimensity, 5G enabled stuff is really interesting and we should see more design wins for that. I, I talked to a few Chinese brands and they are interested in using that instead of Qualcomm. Uh, so yeah, and MediaTek also is winning because it now gets to supply Huawei for yeah. its mid-range and uh, entry-level stuff. So yeah, we will see MediaTek make a resurgence, particularly in the budget segment, but it will still take a few years because yeah. Qualcomm it absolutely dominated over the last decade. They have a better marketing. brand recall, I guess. That's the only they do. thing. Yeah. Also, yeah. like I think, like I think Harish pretty much covered most of it. But um, you realize that Qualcomm got big at a time when the competitors were genuinely bad. <coughs> MediaTek was yep. not good. Uh, Tegra was a shit show. Intel tried their best, and that was terrible. Uh, yep. So you know, uh, if something works, and you iterate on that, you get better. So right now, Qualcomm chips are genuinely, like, realistically, very good. Uh, not just on the processing sp uh, side, but in the last episode, we talked about how the entire ecosystem of sorts around it, you know, the ISP is good, the DSP is good. There's a lot of things that are good about a Qualcomm chipset. Now, Dimensity, with Dimensity MediaTek is actually doing some good stuff, but at least at the high end, uh, you look at Exynos. Um, technically, it's Samsung's highest end chip, but it thermal throttles. The ISP is bad. The battery life isn't quite as good as Qualcomm. So you, one, you need a product which is just as competitive to compete at that segment, or you need a massive price advantage. Now with Dimensity, they have a decently powerful product, which is technically, I think, I believe it is significantly cheaper than Qualcomm, Qualcomm's equivalent. Yep. But Qualcomm has also like rolled out quite a few features for accessories that enables third-party OEMs to, you know, like this app tech support for audio companies. Yep. There's quick charge for chargers. So, you know, there's more reason there's, for people to invest into a Qualcomm chipset so that they can have more true. compatible stuff to buy. Yeah, that's true. But MediaTek has a huge win in IoT and yes, TVs. IoT, like yes. Most uh, TVs, 90% of TVs are powered by MediaTek and yeah. all of Amazon's hardware products yeah. are powered by MediaTek. So they got a massive win there. Um, like I said, it'll still take them a while to get back into the phone segment because they just need to get over the fact that MediaTek is garbage. Yeah. Uh, they need to educate users again. They're trying, but it will be. But you they see, they're ready to spend money. Like for example, uh, even the new Sony 1000XM4, they're part by MediaTek and they lack mm -hmm. aptX compatibility because of that. Uh, the way that yeah. I see it, uh, in the long run, okay. I still don't see Dimensity being a huge player in the top end, in the absolute top end. But with over the next couple of years with reasonable marketing, which once again, they're not necessarily doing. Xiaomi is like really out there. Uh, sorry, not Xiaomi. Qualcomm is right, really out there. Um, but yeah, they should be able to change some perceptions with more SKUs out. Uh, possibly breaking well into the mid or premium mid-range segment. But I think at this point, it might be a little too late to become the dominant top-end player. Yeah. Okay, bye. Thanks for listening. Thanks for taking the time out. This has been amazing. <laughs> Arish wants to play Assassin's Creed Origins.
I want to eat food now, man. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Is there any other question? Yep. Okay. Last question, Devesh. Then we'll have a quick uh, question for Twitter. If we still have anything else left, uh, Devesh, go ahead. No, so, okay, Devesh, I got your question. I got your question, Devesh. Um, yeah, okay. So one thing you need to realize is that no brand owes you anything. No matter how yeah. big yeah. you are, you are not owed anything. Uh, as a media, uh, well, let's just blanket say like, okay, as media, whatever you get as, from a brand is a favor uh, that they're doing. They don't owe you literally anything at all. Anything. Um, and just to be clear, I can't say for YouTubers, for but for us, 99% of the things that come to us go back. Uh, yep. And often we're just waiting for shit to go back because, hey, you know, we don't... We have storage we, issues. Yeah, we have storage issues. Uh, so that's the thing. Uh, that's the sense of entitlement that <clears throat> a lot of influencers seem to have. And they've passed on to their followers as well that, hey, look, this brand is not sending me a phone. Yeah, if they don't want to send you a phone, that's fine. They don't. They they're not. In, you're not entitled to receive it, and they they don't have a responsibility to send it to them. Exactly. Yeah, like I said before, YouTube is all about drama. It plays well with their audience base saying, "Oh yeah, I did not get this phone. Look at this brand. Oh my God, they're ignoring me." It plays well to their fan base, but yeah, the brand can do whatever the hell. It exactly. Wants. I mean, do you really think that you know? With I don't know what is the frequency of pushing out a video. How many, what kind of conversion do they have? Like a one, mil, 1 million views. You'd be surprised at just how few people actually buy those phones uh, after yeah. watching that video. There's a lot of confirmation yeah. bias that goes on. Somebody comes back after buying a phone and hey, look, uh, my phone was a good choice or whatever. But yeah, I mean, the entire market needs to skew towards actual metrics where they actually see what kind of conversion is there. Uh, views are no way to see like, hey, this guy has 1 million views. That means he's selling 1 million phones. No, that's absolutely not mm -hmm. true. So why should, uh, I mean, I'll give you a personal example. When the, when the new OnePlus TV is launched, uh, uh, OnePlus sent Harish and Akshay a television to try out. They did not send one to me. And that's absolutely fair because I see that at my publication, this is, it is possibly not, the right target audience that they are going for uh, with the TV. So why should they send me a TV to check out when they can send it to somebody else who's more appropriate? Yep. So that's... And that's the case for all of us, right? I'm sure there are so many products that I don't even get. And I'm like, okay with that. I'm, I'm like, fine. Hey, at the end of the day, it's all a prerogative of the brand itself. And I used that word wrong. But anyway... Uh, it's just, I don't understand this level of entitlement, basically. And, but again, plays well with the YouTube drama. Yeah, I mean, just to end it again, like, uh, in my 12 years here in this industry, uh, ha 
things are much easier today where people where, where you know somebody can go in and say that oh look at me i have these views give me a unit demand a unit uh things were not like this back in the day you actually had to work on relationships and like hope that you're going to get a unit uh and if you did not you either bought it or you know what there is enough content to be made without a unit as well there are opinions to be had but hey yep. that's not what most youtubers have anyway right they like to shit on things uh i've i've said i've said it before i'm I, I sometimes i wish if these guys did any video games journalism it is way more hardcore than uh smartphones and tech in general you make one mistake you break one rule you break one embargo you're blacklisted for life let's say you switch jobs as well you go to a different publication you're still blacklisted they don't give a shit and that's how i like to work as well where rules are strict in india you'll see people breaking embargoes all the fucking time <laughs> embargoes have no meaning anymore yeah and 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 there are no consequences to it and sometimes i've given brands a lot of shit for it that you know like do your youtubers get a grip of them on them because they're breaking embargoes i have no incentive to publish the fucking review now and they're like yeah we'll do this and do that in, in gaming you're blacklisted for life if you do a mistake like let's say you get a sony game and you break an embargo or leak something you're not getting a sony game ever again in your life and yeah. that's how it should be Yeah I think that one day that answers your question right uh they they don't play it's not about playing by the rules it just ca- comes back into the earlier conversation as well uh there is no sense of ethics here uh they think that they can dictate the rules which is not exactly true it will come and bite them in the ass one of these days but uh, and I'm waiting it for that happen. I'm waiting for that uh yeah. because that's the thing uh I want everybody to play with on a level playing field um and that's the th- and and like Akshay said you know it's easy to unbox a phone and make funny faces for a thumbnail uh try sitting through a 40 hour game with 35 hours uh, uh 35 hours ahead of the embargo and still push out a 2000 word cohesive piece that doesn't give away the game but actually explains the mechanics of it, of it and does a good job of telling you whether this is a good fit for you or not now that's what akshay does he often stays up nights just to be able to push that content out and still just be on embargo okay that's the thing it's i'm sorry i'm just ranting at this point <laughs> yeah it is Bye. it is a so thanks so much for me. your questions uh <laughs> akshay majora has a question for you and then i think we, it is time to wrap up like this is okay. right past one last hours. question majora tell me what's up uh, okay second so related to the switch and scan like a more personal question but which is your favorite mm-hmm. multiplayer game on the switch favorite multiplayer game on the switch uh i would say mario kart 8 deluxe and um uh, um stardew valley it's not really competitive multiplayer but i enjoy playing with my friends farming my you know farming and shit but uh, i've really really enjoyed uh, mario kart so much it is a lot of fun and actually you've asked a question that i'm going to try out super smash brothers today uh, i've heard that's a great fighting game i have always been scared to play that game because i'm afraid i'll suck at it but that's something i'm going to try out today dude i could Let's never see. get into super smash i've been trying that game since yeah. the n64 days It's yeah. it's too chaotic for me, and I I don't exactly. understand what's going on over there. But Mario Kart is incredible, though. Mario Kart is amazing. I'm gonna I'm gonna just gonna see my library if I'm forgetting something. But till then, yeah. But yeah, I mean, I love uh, Mario Kart. It's so much fun. 
Yeah, so much fun. Majora, I think you had something else to say as well, uh, unless you're done. No, I'm done. I'm done. Okay. Oh, Rocket League. Rocket League, man. I love Rocket League on the Switch. It's so much fun. Rocket League and even Splatoon 2 is very good. Yeah, Splatoon 2 I haven't played yet, but I've heard it's, it's amazing. amazing. I've played it. Great. Awesome. Love your nick, by the way. Majora's Mask was such a good game. <laughs> yeah. Takes me back to childhood days. All right. So I think that pretty much answers all the um, Q&A questions. Um, do we have any other questions for the giveaway? I think we sorted. If we have something else, we can just put, put it up on Twitter. Yep. Yep. All right. Uh, thanks, guys. So that was uh, Yash, Majora, Venkat, Shlok, Karan, Devesh, Madhav. Thanks for taking out the time to join us. Oh, hang on. Karan. Oh, yeah. Okay. You want to know about the watch? Um, the watch that I posted about on Twitter? Yeah. Yeah, I think the one that Harish got. Yep. Okay. So it's a uh, Young Hans. Uh, it's the Bauhaus Limited Edition. 100 Years of Bauhaus Limited Edition. I'm a big fan of the Bauhaus School of Design. In fact, like I wanted to go to study in Berlin uh, to study design and architecture. That didn't happen. Uh, generally a huge fan of minimalism, minimalistic architecture, bit of brutalism as well. Um, so when I saw this, I knew just I just had to get it. Uh, they made a thousand pieces of this. It's got the Bauhaus School of Design uh, on the case back. And uh, yeah, so it's been sold out everywhere. Found a guy in San Francisco who was selling it. Harish helped out massively. I sent it over to his family over there and he got it shipped over over time. So I bought it in February end and I finally got hold of yeah. it. So I'm quite excited. And yeah, Harish is getting angry. He's angry when he's hungry. <laughs> so Angry. I think it's... I feel like we should split it into two episodes. It's like two hours, man. Yeah. Uh, we'll ask for Shlok's opinion on that since he does listen to it five times every single time. Uh, all right, I think that's that's a wrap for this week's episode. This was the 25th episode of the Untitled Gadget Podcast. Shout out to all the sponsors for the giveaway. That's AMX India, Xiaomi India and Games The Shop. Uh, any ending words, Akshay and Harish? Food. Game on. Bye. Game on. Game on. Food. All right, guys, stay safe, put your masks on, socially distance, keep yourself safe. And thanks for listening Thank in. Thank you for joining us. Uh, yeah, thanks for doing this. This was fun. This was fun. We should do this more often, maybe on the 50th or the 100th, 100th episode now. <laughs> Cheers, guys. <laughs> thanks for joining us. See you. Bye. Bye. Bye-bye.